I, I got excited. It won't happen again. Don't worry. you get for going to a fan blog third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer third degree listeners get 20 percent off your order when you shop at soccer use the code third degree all your fc dallas u.s men's national team international club gear north Texas soccer club gear they got that 20 percent off use the code some exclusions apply but not that north texas soccer club jersey that doesn't apply that's not an exclusion get that 20% off. Third degree is the code. Enjoy it. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode. This one numbered 203 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hello, it is me, Peter. And I'm feeling pretty happy today, pretty joyous. Uh, but uh, then I have to turn to my other friend who's probably not feeling as so joyous with the announced demise of Soccer AM. Dan Crook. Sorry, Dan. That's all right. I still thought I'd bring the average age down a good decade or so. Why don't you tell the uh, pod listener who probably is not familiar what Soccer AM is and why it is so important to young Dan Crook? It's Saturday morning cartoons for adults that like sports. (laughs) It's just kind of soccer comedy, football, British football comedy, right? That's, That's pretty much it in a nutshell, yeah. And guys trying to uh, do football tricks out on a fake field, right? Hit the hit the the bins and things like that. Yeah, they they would have like uh, the quote unquote fans of the week. So like ten people, kind of, you know, before going out to a game, would uh, go sit there as the audience and then try and take you know these acrobatic volleys and look like complete idiots. It was uh, mm-hmm. magical, wonderful. Well, they announced today the BBC that they are ceasing production of that show at the so end of the season. So that was Sky Sports. Or Sky Sports. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Good lord. It's like Goodness. when I when I t- when I accidentally called Andy Peruvian. Um, oh wow! Yeah, wow! Yeah, boy, did I. Has he spoken to you since? <laughs> yeah. This was many many years ago, and if you ever wanted somebody to see lasers come out of their eyes and burn you burn a hole through your skull, that was the day. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Sky Sports, and they announced they were ceasing production because I guess they feel like everybody that watches it's too old, and they need something Whoa. for the younger set. They're they're actually replacing it with uh, it's just it's got panned completely. They have this show that's called Football Social or Soccer Social. And it's just basically a bunch of people who talk to nobody on YouTube and they put them in a room, I guess, or on YouTube and they make them talk to each other so that for once in their lives they have people to talk to and then they just broadcast that on TV and apparently it's a little bit shit. Hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, my condolences that a favorite show of yours is going away. I know that I know that hurts. I know how that I know how that can hurt, uh, sir. It was a, it was a strong twenty eight years. Hmm. Well, the tick didn't run that long, but I, I remember the day I found out they weren't doing another season, and I cried a little bit. All right. Uh, also, of course, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. 
Hey, Peter, just a little bit of news uh, for the third degree follower out there. News, news, third degree news. We've got a new shop coming. Uh, the URL for which is some convoluted variation of the company that's doing the merchandise. So the easiest way to find it is to go to third degree and there's a top button at the top that says shop that that website will be launching on the monday the 27th so before we do a podcast after this one obviously is so, that where i'm going to be able to get my third degree branded cbd gummies no they do not have cbd gummies i'm afraid oh, it's a hmm. mostly merchandise and not you know stuff you could eat no CBD well you know stuff. buzz cbd yeah. is all the craze and uh I figure yeah. if you should get in on that <laughs> if you can. Uh, yeah, maybe I should, but uh, that's not what these guys do. So, uh, you know, it's a order as you like, kind of, you know, they print it when you order it and they send it to you and we've got a variety of stuff on there. So um, I got rid of the old people that I didn't was pissed off at and I got a new group and it's an invite only kind of thing for people that have podcasts and, and Twitter followers and websites. So it's really good customer service on my end. Unlike yeah. the other end, which is the other site was concerned with getting sued, and these guys are actually concerned with helping you. So, so far, so good. We, we're launching in Monday. We'll see how it goes. Excellent. I hope someday we get the green light to bring back the FC Dallas Curious shirt. Yeah, I, I have I've talked to FC Dallas's uh, chief legal counsel about that specifically. Whoa. Yeah, well, about the merchandise in general. And he actually gave me a letter saying that they're not interested in my trademark at all, which is really nice. Uh, and he said that he'd be willing to work with me on stuff. So if that's the one we want to go for, then I will go reach out to him and say, hey, can we work out a way to be able to do that? You know, because it is the tagline of this podcast. So yeah, maybe they might let us do that. that generally speaking, we can't print stuff that says FC Dallas on it. And that's fair. It's their, their trademark, understandably. So we were kind of doing that one because of the tagline of the show. And obviously, well, we ran into a problem before because Major League Soccer objected. But if I can get FC Dallas to give me a specific letter that lets me do that one, then I can bring it back. So hopefully they'll, they'll do that if that's the one we decide we want to go for. All right. I got an idea. If they if they reject your request, yeah, the way around it is to do a mashup of the FC Dallas Curious shirt and the FC Dallas yeah, misspelling. misspelling. Yeah. Uh, and do that and do yeah. an FC Dallas curious. And that well, may be the workaround. Funny enough, the, the, the old side I worked with, because when MLS complained, they literally took down anything that on there, pretty much even the stuff that was hundred percent, my logo and even things that were the misspelled version of FC Dallas, they took them down anyway. So, they didn't take mine down. Uh, well, they, they didn't see yours, I guess oh, <laughs> they got no. a hot button for me. Maybe I'm selling more shirts or something. Well, I not very, we few, that many, very few people b sold my, uh, bought my, uh, <laughs> FC misspelled Dallas shirt <laughs> Yeah, and, and probably for good reason, because whenever I, I wear the one in public that I actually bought for myself, I always get asked, why is it misspelled? Yeah, <laughs> but then did. that gives yeah. me the great opportunity to tell the great story about yeah. what it's referencing. And yeah. Uh, okay. Excellent. Usually like, it's, it's like the story of where an FC Dallas gear and people ask me if my kid plays for the youth, youth club. And that's one of my favorite stories is a lady asked me that. And I said, no, the, the pro team, she said, there's a pro team. And I, was, I point at the stadium, which is literally across the field. <laughs> Who do you think plays in that big giant stadium right there? And she was like, Oh, I thought that was high school football. Oh my God. Literally, well, it is actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ironically hey, enough. It could be worse. There was that time in the stadium at a press conference for the national soccer hall of fame. A journalist asked, does Dallas have a pro team? Yeah. Uh, and Andy Swift pointed to the state, the outside of the stadium, and said, "Yeah, they play here." Yeah, that's <laughs> typical. 
Poor like Andy. the Chicago Fire when the when Schweinsteiger went to the Chicago Fire and they asked the reporter asked if Chicago would win the World Cup. Now I thought hey, at least I yeah. knew there was a, a soccer team. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, uh, in uh, reference to all of this burn name stuff, one of the things I thought would be interesting would uh, you know I I made a version of the FC Dallas crest with the vomit flame coming out of the bull's mouth. And one of the things that I think might be interesting as an idea, and I wonder if somebody listening to the pod who is a graphic artist, Dan, I don't know if you want to try to pull this off, but what if you were to replace the Longhorn head in the current crest, leave the crest stylistically exactly the same, and replace it with the Islamico horse head in the style of the FC Dallas burn bull head? Does this make sense? Yeah. Where the flame vomit is coming out of its mouth and actually goes out in, and extends outside the perimeter of the crest, kind of like I did in the uh, in the version I drew up with the bull, but pointing in the correct direction in alignment with the bull's head. You see what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be yeah. cool? That's a cool idea, I think. Dust two copyright claims for the price of one. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, that probably would not fly because the the no. Dallas they still own all the Dallas Burn stuff. I'm so. not talking about. I'm I'm saying this would be something we could design and then suggest the club change oh. to it. Oh, as just a suggestion. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. We should try that. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to see what it looks like. Or we could make up shirts and see if they send us a yeah, cease and desist. Send us a letter. Yeah, but we'd get to we'd at least have it designed long enough to actually have a couple of shirts yeah. made up for ourselves. Let's start to with run the logo. Let's start with the logo and see how it goes. We just yeah. need to find somebody who can actually design it the way I have it in my head because it's got to be the style of the bull. Yeah, but it's got to be the horse's head and the flame vomit coming out, kind of at that slightly more than ninety degree angle. I don't know. Kind, kind of the horse head that they have on the back of the jersey. This. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but in the in the illustrative style of the bull that's in the current crest. Not well, if you the, change it enough, you can get away with it. So we'll see. Yeah, worth a shot. All right. So if anybody's listening is graphically capable of pulling that off, uh, please submit your designs to uh, Buzz Carrick. All right. The funny thing is, last time I did that on Twitter, I literally had like twenty spam bots start hammering me with graphics designers, you know, wanting to work and giving yeah, me bids. It's crazy. I've never been spammed so much in my life. The time I mentioned a logo once in passing. Yeah. I wasn't even talking about my logo. I was talking about somebody else's logo and I got spammed by totally it was ridiculous. It's crazy how those bots will suss oh. that stuff out and just and and dogpile on oh, top of you. It was ridiculous. By the way, and I don't mean to do this to poor Steve Davis and start the show off with Kit Talk, but I mm. now that we brought this up, I do have to ask, did you guys happen to see that super kick ass uh, uh designer kit campaign by the uh Marshall Islands? I did, yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Did you see some of those submissions? Yeah, I, I went through the list when you put the, when you tweeted it out. I went through the list. There was about thirty or forty at that time, and some of them were fantastic. Yeah, so five or six of them one. were yeah. like, "Wow, that would be a, a what?" Dan, did you have, do you know what we're talking about? Yeah. Did you enjoy any of the? Sh you're the kit guy. Did you like any of them? I haven't had a chance to look. Uh, go look through the thread. Uh, it's over on our at, at the, the the kick around. I think the kick. I think I tweeted it out the kick around. Anyway, the Marshall Islands is this impossibly tiny island in the North Pacific Ocean, seven hours northeast of Australia. They claim to be the last 
country on earth without a, a national soccer team, and they're changing that. They, they're putting both men's and women's teams together. Apparently, the other big part of this is they're trying to do it before the island uh, falls underwater due to climate change, and they want to start playing games at the end of this year, and so they had a kit uh, contest, and some of the submissions were, good Lord, they were fantastic. I really, yeah. And I, I don't know which one they, they were supposed to have picked this week. I don't know which one they ended up picking, but mm. they were cool. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, okay, let's talk about the result. FC Dallas to Sporting Kansas City Uno. Dallas with the win. This is one of those wins, though, Buzz, that I think we're going to spend a lot of time asking what, what was really going on versus yeah. what was going, what went well enough to get the win. Yeah, the the first half, look, We'll give some credit to uh, the, the the buzzword of the year the coach <laughs> likes to use, which is mentality. Stop it. Yeah, stop it. Uh, so good mentality in the sense that uh, there have been teams in the past for this club, and, and really every club really that has this problem from time to time, that would not have been able to come back from that um, first half because the first half was trash. Uh, I would I used the word lackadaisical, but that's probably not fair. But there was a passivity. There was a hesitation. There was a, a co- coach gave a lot of credit to Sporting's uh, both compressed midfield and uh, the high press that they run. Two things that Dallas doesn't do well with. But um, you know you, you can look at some very basic stats like the dribble success in the first half was seventeen percent for Dallas to seventy five percent for Sporting, and the duels one was twenty nine percent for Dallas to seventy one percent for Sporting. So that just shows you what I, what the, the word I used again, I said lackadaisical, but that's probably not fair. Uh, you know, passive, um, hesitatory, you know, something along those lines. If they were not on their front foot and sporting was taking advantage of that. How about um, not good, not good. You know, I, well, I think late and particularly after the goal, there was like a 10 minute, like even worse after sporting scored. But then, you know, to be completely fair, the last maybe 10 or 15, Dallas sort of found themselves a little bit because they tried to um, play a little over the top and that helped a bit. Uh, and they were able to get a couple of good chances late in that half. And I think that galvanized with the coach talk at halftime where he, you know, sort of got them to believe that like, Hey, that stuff we were doing there at the end, that's the way to go. We can, we can take this game. We're better than this other team. And they, and they sort of had the belief and the mentality to rally. So there's a, there's a lot uh, to take away uh, in terms of the negatives of the first half and, and and how and the things that Dallas always struggles with under this coach since the last year and a half now, basically, and even goes back to Lucci, for, to be frankly, to be frank, um, those problems are still there and they're going to be there for a long time. And, um, you know, they found a way around it with the things that they do well. And so you, you, you can go walk away from the win and think, okay, good. That was a win. But at the same time you can say, oh yeah, there were some big problems that still are what keep us even from being really, really top of the charts. Great at the top. I don't know if either one of you want to respond to this and I'm about to explain something that I've, an observation that I had that is, that has been brewing in my head this season uh, that I'm going to try to explain. Uh, and is I'm hoping it makes me sound tactically smart. I fear that it's going to make me sound like an idiot, but my observation is this. My, my, we've been frustrated with Dallas as a team that struggles with mid and low block uh, sides. We've talked about that now uh, through last season, and we always wonder why nobody just everybody just doesn't play that against him. But one of the things that I'm really frustrated by that I've noticed this season in particular 
is the team's inability to capitalize on transition moments when they catch teams out of their block. And I noticed that a lot in this particular game. Jesus was at fault. Paul Areola in particular was it at fault. Um, at, you know, they finally catch teams in these, you know, out of shape and they have a good advantage to go in on goal and they just cannot consistently convert those opportunities. They've, uh, they've either created for themselves or have, you know, they've kind of fallen into because the other team just badly turned over the ball. And I, and I, and I'm starting to wonder if that's not a bigger concern than the inability to break down a mid to low block. How'd I do? Uh, no, you're on the money. And um, that's what we talked about um, in, at the end of the first half in particular. Is when, and our start of the second half if, right at the beginning. That's when some of those were happening that you're talking about. And Coach specifically mentioned that when I talked to him today, um, that they failed to take advantage of these opportunities. They, they failed to get that last moment. He specifically talked about that last moment you're talking about. And that's some of the mentality that he was discussing with them at halftime uh, and then I think got better over time. And I think that you're right because we've talked several times now in the home games about um, they're only being out of 11 shots on goal, where it's like, okay, at home we, we should see more than that. This team's always about efficiency. It's not going to be 20, 25 shots, but you'd like to see 15 or 16 out of this team. And it's those final moments that are not, they're letting them down. I think that's 100% true. And coach obviously feels that that's an issue too, you know, and I think. I think this early in the season, I'm not personally as concerned about this. You know, uh, Dan, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this or not, but, you know, sometimes the offense can take longer to dial in on a collective, you know, and when you have one or two bad moments go, then you start to feel like, well, I'm just not getting it today. And sometimes that's what why a coach might uh, pump a team out versus tear them apart, you know, when, when they're trying to get that last little bit. And, yes, it is a concern, but I'm not totally down on it because it is – early in the season, Dan, I don't know if you agree with me or not. I completely agree. Um, those forward positions are all about confidence. Uh, later in the season, you know, you've got something to build on right now. They're trying to trying to get going. Um, same way, you know, uh, Willie Agata and Eric Tommy. I'm, I'm sure Peter Vermees didn't tear them one because he's going to have a completely ineffective, you know, two ineffectual players next week otherwise. Um, yeah, Nico uh, talked about. Uh, I mean, I didn't obviously go to, to to practice, but I did ask him about what you know. What were the changes? Uh, first half, the second half, any tweaks that he made? Um, and he said, you know, it was it was all mentality. Uh, there were no no actual changes. Just kind of talking about believing in yourself and controlling your frustrations. Uh, letting those frustrations boil over, particularly on the offensive end, is trying to go the extra mile on that last pass is blasting a shot into the crowd uh, you know so when you talk about efficiency and chance creation th that key that is a, a key part of it is, is just controlling what you can control and not getting frustrated at what you can't so buzz how did you feel about the fact that jesus was seen repeatedly coming way back deep to find the ball. He looked pretty frustrated, and uh, I'm, I'm wondering what you thought about that. Well, that's a tendency that he has that he's always had, uh, and I, of course, hate it. The When you're when a young player sometimes, particularly in his shoes where he's seen as like the, the big guy up front right now, he's trying to do too much. You, you have to have a certain amount of trust for your teammates. Now, that frustration came because 
of the way Kansas City played. In particular, they pressed uh, the Dallas center backs, making it difficult for them to play out of the back. This particular group of defenders that Dallas has right now is not great at passing out of the back. And I know that's it's really only the loss of, of hedges that makes a big difference, but a part of that is that Paz is not a particularly great passer as a keeper. Um, so that's a deficiency. And so it's, they have trouble getting the build out sometimes. It's better when they get it wide, but the center backs are kind of the problem. And then on top of that, the, the other thing Kansas City did was they didn't play a low block. They played a mid block. And they, they have three in the middle and three up top, and they squish it down to where it's like a 20-yard block. And that's where you know the outlet passes that ordinarily you would have to your set, your three central guys, Paxton, Legette, or Edwin, those are basically not there. So they're stuck trying to go around the, the, the end, uh, wide and around the side to uh, through the outside backs, or play in behind. And now Dallas doesn't really have like a get behind you kind of guy. They, they, they miss a vertical component of their in their starters. And then on top of that, this is why uh, I thought in the first half, I kept thinking to myself, man, I really wish they would switch to a four and spread their guys out so they would be better able to go around the side. Don't jump too far ahead. I know, I know. But this is why, you know, that that feeling, that feeling of they can't get through the middle is why Jesus, who's a player that's pretty good at line breaking, he's not a dribbler, but he's a good line breaker. He's, he thinks to himself, I better come back and help. And then he overdoes it. Yeah. But that's not what you want. Nobody wants that. I mean, it's fundamentally a flaw in his game that he tries to do that too much. It's just a young guy who hasn't learned that, okay, if I get zero touches, it's not my fault. I need to stay up here because my teammates need me to be in the right place for when they finally break the line. If you're not there when they finally break it, then what? Then it, you fall apart too. And, and that happened in the first half a couple of times when they would break through and Velasco or Paul would turn to go and Jesus is not there. He's like 15 yards too far back. So uh, again, this is an issue. The, the kid's a kid and he's not a $100 million player. He's a whatever he is. Maybe it's a $10 million player. So he's got flaws in his game still. And that's the biggest one is that desire to do too much and he's going to have to corral that you know again it's early in the year he he had not the greatest winner you would want to have so maybe he's trying to press a little bit too much and i i think i hope the staff recognizes that because usually when he does that the next game he doesn't because they get on him about it and he stops and then he gets tight again and he goes oh he comes back and does it again so hopefully this game they're gonna go okay dude stop again and stay up there. Yeah. You know, uh, for all of the fretting over the wonkiness of the attack so far this season, there are moments where things really click and the team is capable of playing some really, really beautiful soccer. And that is exemplified in the opening goal for Dallas in the 55th minute. The The sequence of passing uh, and, and just kind of interplay between everybody that ends with Legette's kind of leave behind for Velasco and Velasco's right-footed shot that's about as nice as we've seen out of the group and, and very promising and probably should spend some more time just focusing on that sequence. Yeah, it's a lovely little, I, I won't quite call it a good give and go, but it's an inlet pass and then a layoff, which is a really nice sequence, really unselfish by Legette. Legette, again, had a poor first half and a good second half. He's very inconsistent this year. I'm, I'm hoping that he'll find, a, you know, he had one really good game and then he had a really bad game and now he had a good half and a bad half. You know, in the end, Dallas has got six goals on the year, which is, you know, fourth in the Western Conference in goals four. Now, they're not St. Louis is 11, you know, but in the end, it's not like they're a terrible offense. So our issues are 
small concerns and they have to do with the greater health of the team in the long term. But, uh, you know, we see these little errors and then we see these nice plays where you see Velasco uh, integrating with the team. You see there's a good cohesion and chemistry with all those guys up front. You know, there's still, I think, a problem when O'Brien comes on. There's a disconnect there. They need to get him more integrated. <laughs> um, you know, I, the, he's, the kids, the guy's got some tools, but it's at the same time, it's like if he's not on the same page. Like the last game, he had three key passes out of his total nine passes. The problem wasn't his impactfulness. The problem was he only had nine passes. So uh, that O'Brien, that is. So again, once they get the ball into the dangerous position, their efficiency is still pretty good about getting shots on target between the combination of shots on target and blocks. You know, they're well over 50%. They're not, they're not firing five feet over and wide. We're not seeing that problem. So um, overall, I feel fairly good about the offense. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it in the grand picture, only small worries. How worried are we about the status of one Paxton Pomacall who came off? It looked like he was grabbing his hamstring, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure what was happening there. Yeah. He had some tightness in his hamstring. Um, he had an MRI uh, earlier in the week. Coach said the MRI was negative. So there's no actual damage to his uh, hamstring. He did train today, and he basically split time with uh, Alejandro Uzura, who's the young 16-year-old they've signed from the academy. They basically rotated, you know, to keep the load down on Paxton. And Coach said he's effectively just sort of day-to-day. They're going to see how he reacts. So he, you know, it's 100%. If he doesn't play this weekend, it's just going to be paranoia of Paxton and the club of, you know, worry about these bigger injuries for him. Um you know, medically he is cleared to play, so he's up for choice. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I think you can see Dan, when he came out of that game, uh, it was, there was definitely a loss of, I don't know what you call it, possession or cohesion or emphasis in the midfield. Something happened when he came out for a while there. I mean, we like Siki, but it was like, you could clearly see a drop off big time, I thought. Yeah, uh, I think, I think balance really. Uh, you know, uh, Sebastian Lejet and, Paxton Pomacol kind of getting to know each other's game. Edwin kind of knows the balance, uh, particularly late in later stages of the game as it started to kind of compress back as a a, a flatter midfield. Um, coach did say though uh, earlier in the season they are trying to be more conservative with those uh, sort of you know issues of of soreness, not risking uh, losing a player for a long period uh, just for the sake of of twenty minutes in a game. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get into the uh, locker room in time to uh, speak to Paxton because of the way they're kind of they're structuring it this season. But nobody seemed particularly concerned. Obviously, if he's you know in some form of training on the Wednesday, then he's in contention to play it or at least factor in some part. By the way, guys, how gorgeous was that Paxton chart that Garrett Melker shared today from the? the new analytics group driven lab. Did you guys look at that thing? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yes. Of yes. We joked about the head headers because of course his headers are awful, but you know, the joke is like header practice for, but obviously he's just not very tall, but you know, in every category except for long balls, because Dallas doesn't play that way. 
Uh, he just is clearly better than every than the average midfielder by a good chunk, and some of the stats were just mind blowingly good. You know, phenomenal chart. I love those things, and he's such a good player. Yeah. All right. This is actually a good opportunity to bring this up uh, uh, of somebody that follows you on Twitter, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna give their Twitter account away because I don't want to uh, I don't want them to feel like I'm picking on them. But I, but this person after the game, or uh, I guess a couple days ago, tweeted you um, the following: I believe we need a playmaker in the midfield. We struggle to build up through the middle. Paxton has been playing excellent so far, but we need someone with better vision and technique. And the reason why I bring this up is not only, I mean, I obviously disagree with this particular person, but I do feel that this kind of buys into the whole Paxton is a six. Um, idea that many Dallas fans seem to have that they they don't feel like they're getting what they're supposed to be getting out of Paxton yeah. in the position that he plays and I feel like it's our responsibility to distill this idea and 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 quell it before it gets too far out of hand and I'm hoping you yeah. can help out with that buzz well what I would say about that is that um there's an expectation sometimes from people to think that the, the thing Dallas is missing is a string pulling playmaker it's David Ferreira back in the day, you know, it's, it's these guys that, um, it, it's Mauro Diaz, these guys that can make these game breaking passes that just shred defenses apart. And Dallas does not, this current version of Dallas doesn't play a system that has a, that player in it. It has a double eight. So if you expect Paxton to be playing that kind of role, now there are people in the past that expected him to play that way and they played him in that position, but he doesn't play that position now. Now he's a pure linking eight. And this club, uh, in the other position, so like if you if you think you need a playmaker, the position, the guy you'd be taking out of the game is Sebastian Legette. He's the one, now it's still an eight, but Legette is the one that has the slightly freer role and is the guy you're looking for to get the assists. So if you think you need a playmaker, it's Legette that would come out of the game and not Paxton. Paxton would drop deeper and it, it would end up looking more like a double pivot than a single pivot if you wanted to go that route, but that's not what they do. They play a single pivot they, with a double eight. It's like, it's a different system. Yeah. There is no string pulling 10 in this system. There's no Mauro Diaz. There's no guy that's going to have 15 assists out of the midfield. You know, this system is built differently. You're going to have, it's the difference. Have, yeah. Isn't, isn't it the difference? Uh, I think, cause I think a lot of people are like, why, why don't, why doesn't Paxton or Leggett play like Drusi? And, which yeah. is uh, and and maybe explaining the difference in how they play a four three three versus how Austin plays really, which is more like a four two three one, but is also a four three three. Yeah, well, you know, it's a different it's a different system completely, and Austin plays a very fluid system. Madrusi has a lot of freedom to roam. Um, you know, he he probably plays more like Mauro Diaz. You know, they they the, the as thing a ten, yeah. Well, you know, and even then he's not really, he's drifting all over the front. He's not like, he's not a wing. He's not, they give him a, the whole thing is set up so that guy can go anywhere he wants to, which is the way Dallas played with David Ferrer way back when. So it's a different, it's a different system. You know, you can compare it to the way, the way LAFC plays, you know, with Carlos Vela, who plays more like a, as a wing. You know, it's the Dallas system is set up where the wings and the two eights are basically four guys that are going to get your assists. You're not going to have one guy with 15 assists. You're going to have four guys with five or six assists. Mm -hmm. That's the way the system is set up. You know, you you could argue that you'd like a guy that had a little bit of a better final ball, perhaps, but it's not 
it, it would be more than, unless you're going to pay just an absolute obscene amount of money, you're not going to get that in a guy that can play an eight role and not at this level, not in this league and not this price point. You know, yeah. that would just be an absolutely, I mean, you're talking about 60, $70 million player. You know, you, you can't, you're not going to get that in this league. You're not going to get De Bruyne to come play in the midfield with Paxton. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're left with two guys that are going to, that are going to work as an eight, you know, they give Legette a little bit freer. Now the coach would say that they both have that role, but I don't think that's quite true because, you know, when, whenever there's work to be done deep, it's Paxton. He comes back and works. Legette does, Legette isn't lazy, but he doesn't come back and hardcore dig balls out. Now, when they block it up, those three guys are flat across. That's different than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that hustle back play that Paxson is responsible for to come get in next to Hebba when they're trying to counter or whatever. So, um, uh, that you know, if you want to get a playmaker, you have to change systems. You have to go four two three one, you know, with a pure ten underneath, like they played with Mar Diaz right. in the early Oscar days and gave up on. They gave up on that and they started putting Morrow at full swing. You remember trying to figure out how to use him. So it's not it's not as easy to do. You know, Matt Duell says the same thing about Dallas. He says they need a playmaker. I don't, I don't know that that's true. You know, not without well, spending crazy money. Well, and and you know what? And they may have a playmaker. They may have it in Velasco. Uh, you know, it would be interesting in a weird uh, to see the team play more of a traditional uh, kind of the Austin setup with Paxton and Cerio or whoever kind of holding back a little bit and letting Velasco play more yeah. centrally, but then who plays on the left wing and, you know, and all of those things. I mean, there's just, and it also just kind of opens the team up. I mean, clearly Nico has set this up the way he has, cause he's trying to be uh, solid defensively first and yes. trying to maximize the attack from there. But that's also the byproduct of that is this thing that we talk about a lot, which is they're just not a big chance creation team. Well, let's, when we get to the training report, I want to talk about some of the tactic variations we've I've seen in training the last two or three weeks. Can we sure. can we come back to this topic at that point? Yeah, of course. Uh, just kind of finishing up on the on the game in particular. Obviously, the big moment of the game uh, is the is the penalty shot. One of the things that I I I, I wanted to ask you guys. Now, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I'm 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 recalling this incorrectly. But my sense is is this is maybe the third or fourth incident with pause uh getting you know giving up penalty kicks in collisions with with strikers am am i am i remembering this wrong is this are we seeing an odd number of this from a guy that's been with the club for this short amount of time or is it pretty normal amount uh dan i don't know if you remember i remember a couple but it doesn't feel out of whack to me um you know you know the a couple of the center backs they have right now are not particularly athletic. So I think he's probably being fairly aggressive sometimes when those guys are a sl- little bit slightly less mobile. Yeah. Um, so okay. I, I doesn't feel wet. Dan, where are you on this? Um, I don't think it's been excessive by any stretch. Uh, I thought he was really unlucky with that. The one that was a penalty, uh, that ball from, uh, the Ben sweat was just, phenomenal just absolutely opened up the defense and you know he, he comes out looking for the ball and and yeah. a guarder just turns uh not a whole lot he could do as soon as he went down you, you kind of saw it was about to unfold the way it did we, we 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 can agree he got very unlucky on the var decision to ask to insist on retaking the penalty kick i thought i did anybody definitively see that his foot was not on the line 
Yeah, the the in the it's goal angle, you can see he's like, yeah, two inches really? off or an inch and a half off. Yeah, it's off. I mean, I thought it was, you know, you could argue that that's a pretty harsh uh, call, but he's, you know, it's an inch, an inch and a half. Because he, right. Paz even said a little bit today where he talks about his technique, where he leaves the one foot behind, he kind of drags that foot and powers off with his other foot. Uh, and he's like, he thought just the hesitation dribbles just maybe got him to be, you know, Half an inch too far, and he really was. He's just his foot is you know it's barely off the line, but it's off the line. Uh, but two, I mean, so he saves the first one. Okay, they make him retake it because his foot's not on the line. But then he makes the second save, and um, somebody, I think Garrett or somebody, tweeted a really interesting story about how that came to be. Was it Dan? No, that was Garrett. I asked Nico about what he said to him. Yeah, so it was the uh, he was. I think Garrett had asked. Martin passed about his preparation and he said they managed to find a clip of the (laughs) second taker taking a penalty for a reserve team in 2015 and that was kind of what he based what way he was going to go on (laughs) just that's just crazy kind of uh, going that far back to you know just just in case this the primary penalty taker wasn't going to take one that is crazy to have dug up a seven-year-old clip of Eric Tommy taking a uh, a penalty shot. That is that's nuts. Yeah, the the one I had was uh, on the later penalty when he uh, when he was shown the red card and, and Nico held him at at the half. Uh, so yeah, what what did you say to him? How do you kind of keep him switched on and engaged? And uh, he, he said. You know, just just kind of held him there. There was that incident in the Nottingham Forest Newcastle game, uh, where it was uh, similar, and and VAR had overturned it based on the offside, and they'd seen on the iPad that they thought there was an offside there. So he made a point of reference in the incident to the fourth official, but loud enough that it would be picked up by the microphone that goes back to the VAR cheeky now my question about that incident was was there any did anybody ever get to the point of saying that pauses insistence that he hadn't actually touched the player like if they hadn't decided there was an offside was there any chance that was going to get overturned because he didn't actually foul the guy in the first place i thought about asking uh during the whole pool question thing but i thought you're not really going to get a straight answer on it because they're just going to say it was offside. It kind of nullified the play. Yeah, they they won't review that because they review it. once they nullify it for the offside, they won't review that foul. Well, it was a big day for Mister uh, Martin Paz. He got to wear the cowboy hat after the game and uh, seemed to enjoy himself quite a bit. Um, and I'm sure had a, a lovely evening with his supermodel girlfriend afterwards. Now, in terms of the rest of the game, and I want to get back to something Buzz brought up earlier, which was the real turning point, which was the substitutions and the shift in formation, because it didn't take Dallas very long to capitalize on exactly uh, what you were talking about, Buzz, which was width. And I thought it yep. was a fantastic moment from the new guy as I like to call him, Giovane Jesus. I know it's wrong. Um, uh, with a perfect cross and a Jesus uh, kind of almost finish and then finish, and things were feeling good. Yeah, perfect example of a f- formation change to attack a team in a different way. They overloaded. and This coach is a big believer in overloads. They overloaded the right back. No, left back. Dallas right side, their left back. Got a turnover. Uh, Jimenez's movement creates open 
space for Jesus, who has his initial touch save and gets the second one. But um, perfect example of how you overload a guy. Really great cross from Giovanni, who has shown himself to be a really good crosser. Um, Great example of team concept, execution, substitution, working as intended. I wish they had done it earlier. But, you know, overall, a really nice play. And that shape is one we'll probably see more. Again, we'll talk about the various options they've been using lately uh, in a bit. But a, a really great uh, move across the board. I mean, everything about it was fantastic. Yeah. Now, what this leads me to is this question, which is if Paxton is held out this weekend, uh, just, you know, proactively or, you know, for a cautionary reason on the hamstring or whatever it is. Is there a chance that uh, he'll try a different formation, maybe a 4-4-2 or, you know, 4-2-3-1, something that may put Jimenez in there uh, along with uh, with, with Ferreira? Uh, yes, potentially. I, I don't know that it'll be Jimenez yet because he hasn't played. A, remember, he hasn't played a game since like October. So like not a full games, but um, you know, that's the variations they've been using in practice this week. Uh, The different things that they're looking at and considering, um, you know, whether depending on whether they're going to have Paxson or not, will make a difference in which one of these things they're going to try. There's the base four, three, three. They do. There's a four, two, three, one version. Again, that's a double pivot with two guys deep and a a 10 in front. There's the four, four, two version that you've seen that has him in his in it. There's a version that does not have his men him in his in it too. It's also in consideration. And then don't forget, they also have a three, four, three version. So all four of those got worked on this week in the four, four, two. If it's not Jimenez, who's the other striker? Well, there's a couple of options. Um, the person I saw do, I saw two different people do it today, but overall I've seen Obreon do it. I've seen Velasco do it and I've seen legit do it. Hmm. So it just depends on your personnel matchups and what you'd like to do. Um, I don't want to get too deep into what I think they might do this weekend. Um, when we talk about LAFC later, I'll kind of give you some breakdowns of what the, some of the, what I think are the most likely options, but I don't want to spell it out mm. completely. Buzz is a um, sellout. But, Buzz is a sellout. He's a shill. Yeah, well, I think I can, I think we can communicate <laughs> to the fans what the options are without giving it away. Okay. You know what I mean? Is that fair? Yes, of but course. Yeah, there's, there's I, overall, uh, this is getting ahead a little bit. We'll go ahead and do some of the training stuff. Uh, Jimenez, like I said last week, Peter, when you asked me, he's like, he's not ready for a 90. But you saw he got 20 and it was good, right? Or 15 or whatever well, it was. He only touched the ball five times. Yeah. I'm not really sure right. I know much about yeah. the dude. So, so a dude hasn't played since late October, a competitive game. So, you know, look, they're still integrating him and developing him. So is he ready to start? I, I'm going to say probably not. But, you know, so there, you're going to see if passing can go, that makes it really simple. But if he can't go, then I think they're considering these other options rather than starting Siki. We saw Siki start last year once or twice. And you remember that he just flies around the field running his tail off, mostly because he's still making some mistakes. He's turning it over. He's he's making poor decisions in press, you know, when he has to play the full game. Now, late in games, when his energy and and movement are more than the tired opposition can handle it's better it's totally not great still when you start him so i think they'll try and avoid that no offense to him but i think they'll try and avoid that uh you gotta know your role uh, and we'll, again when we go to the lac later i'll th- i'll tell you what the couple of things i think are possible but 
Okay. Anybody else, uh, any other, you know, that we got, we went back to the original center back pairing. Uh, any thoughts about the uh, Martinez and uh, Tafari's performance? Well, I don't know what Dan thought, but I, again, thought Tafari was pretty damn good. He wasn't quite as good as, as the, he had been the previous two games, but that's because Kansas City pressed. You know, Martinez was brought in because of the press, and I'm not sure that that was necessarily all that much better. Uh, it'd be, I guess, probably worse. But, um, you know, again, having lost, it's funny that I would never have said Hedges was an elite passer, but he really, really worked on it over the last five years of his career. And guys would be pretty damn good at passing out of the back. And, and that's a big loss not having him because I definitely am in the opinion that nobody left at center back on this team is anywhere near as good a passer as Hedges was. Um, and it, they kind of are struggling against that press for, for that matter. So I, I still don't love either Martinez or Ibiaga for me. Or I'm not not totally loving that. Nicosi, I'm great right on. Dan, I don't know where you are. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Tafara's name just escaped me. Then Coase uh, 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 was, was – I thought he was excellent, honestly. I, um, I, I didn't get to see much of the Vancouver game for reference, but – uh, for our comparison, at least, but yeah, I thought he was he was solid passing out the back, looked decent. Um, still, you know, who he whoever he partners with, it's kind of a drop off. Uh, you know, I, I'm definitely of the opinion that I think Ibiaga is going to kind of gel a, a little bit better. Uh, Martinez, his his passing range is really just sideways, backwards, and into trouble uh, right now. Hmm. And I, I just don't see how, you know, there's not going to be any any greater gelling with the team that's going to improve that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Hedges, yeah, maybe not an elite level passer, but for an MLS centre-back as, as close to it as, as you were going to get over the more recent years, and we're definitely, you know, seeing a loss of that. Buzz, did uh, Mr. Surio uh, perform in a manner that will uh, worry you about getting another start next week? Oh, no, I thought he was fantastic. Did you know, maybe this is the stupid, maybe FB Ref is reporting he didn't have any tackles in this game. Well, he doesn't tackle. Evan's not a tackler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I have always said, and I don't know if you remember me saying this or not, but I have always said that, a really good six doesn't necessarily tackle. Um, good defense from a six is often about positioning. It's about turning plays back. If you've tackling, <clears throat> if you're tackling as a six, I think you've made a mistake. You've got to read the game ahead of time, and you've got to anticipate, and you've got to uh, get back. But if you look at Edwin's game, right? Here's what I mean: He had seven recoveries and three intercepts. Both of those things led the team. So. He's doing. He's he's turning play. He's getting it back. He also had the third most touches, and the second most pass receptions, and the second most progressive passes. So he's becoming the fulcrum of the team. They're now ready to you know have the thing sort of built around him, which is what a pivot is, right? He also was second in blocks, and he was third in carries. So the dude's becoming a volume player, and he's playing the defense. Is turning the opposition back. He's keeping them relatively in check. They didn't have a whole lot of chances. I didn't think. He's just not doing it by tackling. You know, thinking of it this way, right? They got Paxton is having all these tackles, right? How many times is Paxton like actually physically like hitting guys? Well, he doesn't. He nips the ball off of them and they call that a tackle. So Edwin's not that kind of player. Edwin gets in the way. He turns guys back. You know, uh, 
he's still got a long, long way to go. But um, I, I looked at the ground he was covering in this game, and his his map is terrific, sideline to sideline and box to box. You know, defensive actions in the right places. I thought he was really good. You know, he's he's progressing the way we want him to progress. Now he's not elite. He's not going to be an all star. He's you know is he still one of the worst players in this team? You know, you can make an argument that of the front six, he's the worst guy. But again, you know, That's not a everybody's a ten million dollar player. Uh, yeah, that's well, not I mean, a really well. I knew, by the way, I knew you were going to answer the question that way. That's yeah. why. I, that's why I asked it. But uh, Mister One, One Mister Lionel Alvarez would disagree with you about sixes tackling because well, everybody's different. Yeah, well, who's the best six in the world? Uh, in your mind or my mind, or you just either one. you're going to say think? Busquets? I'm, well, he's in the conversation, right? Yeah. How much does he tackle? Not very much. Yeah. But how about Casemiro? Casemiro tackles all the time. Yeah, everybody's different. How about Jao Paulo in Seattle? One of the best sixes in MLS. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't okay. tackle at all. No. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, look, there's different ways to play the position, and I'm okay with Edwin not tackling if he's high in these other categories. You know, and again, we talk a lot about having an American six and the value that it gives you. If you had to spend a million bucks a year at that spot on a second player, because Fagundo's already eight or nine hundred thousand, he's not getting it done. Right? That would be terrible. Right? Right. You don't want that. So I'm I'm happy with where he is. I'm happy with his progression. Is he I thought he played him? really well too. Yeah. I, I just that was, was it, it caught me off guard when I saw that he didn't have any tackles. And yeah. I thought that's a hey, that's a fun question to ask in the pod. Why I yeah. did. Yeah, I I'm I a hundred percent believe that if you've made a tackle, you probably you've actually made a mistake somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Says a six. All Center right. back's tackling is different, but as a six, I think you shouldn't have to. Again, my apologies to Mr. Leonel Alvarez. Please don't come to my house. <laughs> Go to Buzz. Well, Buzz. Some, of what, some of what he's doing that Evan doesn't have <laughs> is game control, you know, and stamping his personality and scaring people. You know, Evan could use some of that. You know, you want to have people afraid to come into your zone. Evan doesn't have that. But, <laughs> you know, it's you the know, scariest yeah. MF ever. Right, right. There's <laughs> yes. a different way to play the position. It's yeah, okay. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say that, that Edwin, Edwin, Edwin's game control and his personality in the game that you can sometimes you want a six that you can feel that they're there. Like I'll, I'll use one of my favorite sixes of all time in this league. Kyle Beckerman is an example, right? I think you could feel Kyle Beckerman's presence in the game. Yet he doesn't strike me as a guy that crushes people like Lionel did. So, you know, no, Edwin, Edwin comes off to me as a guy who low key talks about your mom under his breath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty quiet dude. He's not a particularly boisterous guy in general so yeah. it's like you know he plays like his personality which is not horrible you know I, there, jordan stone you remember was too likable too right he he had the problem remember oscar tried to get him to be an asshole all the time you know and Evan <laughs> could use some of that in his game he really could but you know sometimes it's tough for these kids you know Evan's a pretty quiet nice kid so it's hard for him to be an asshole he's getting better at it though all right yeah. Unless uh, it's in Austin, and then he has a grin on his face and yeah. pissing people off. <laughs> and he's knocking yeah. the ball Knock out of people's hands. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. You're right. He low-key does that stuff. He's not in your face as much as he is, like, clowning you and doing stuff like that. You know, he keeps it low, but it's there. Uh, I dig it. Okay. Uh, anybody, any other performances from the game we want to discuss before I move on to the next topic at hand? Yeah, no one's going to believe me, but I thought Ima was pretty good to Amasi. He mm. had... The defense, I do not believe you. Yeah, the defensive shape is good. Uh, he had three shot-creating actions, which is tied for Alan Velasco for second on the team. I so, just want him to be more aggressive 
uh, yeah. offensively, and and I want him to be faster in his decision making. Yeah, it, it I, infuriates me. I think both those things can be true, and still think that like all things considered, he had a pretty decent game. Okay, fair. You enough. know, I I would agree. And coach, I've talked to coach about this. It's the final third, which is weird because he used to be a winger. It's the final third that's not there yet, and Giovanni is better at that final third, so he looks really good when he comes in. Well, but, yes, because it took Giovanni all of literally one minute yeah. to get into that space that Tomasi seems afraid to get into, and I know it's yeah. I know it's a tactical difference in all of that, but it it just kind of highlighted the thing that drives you nuts about Emma's yeah. game when Giov, uh, Giov, uh, uh, Giovanni Jesus runs out there in a minute. He's already <laughs> deep in the far right corner, yeah. crossing balls into Jesus. Well, it's again, like, they changed formations and they overloaded yeah, when I know, Jesus I know. came in. And remember, I just said, Ima had the second most shot creation passes, and he had like the second most entry passes into the box, too. Hey, so, you're ruining my narrative. I know. Quit well, it. I'm trying to bring facts. Sorry, I started never reading your facts to the narrative. Stupid I know. Facts. All right. right. If uh, it's any consolation, Peter, there was that moment in the first minute or two where he uh, he tried to, I think he was track, he was running back to get to receive a pass, and he tried to dribble around a player and nearly lost it. And I just put my head yeah. in my hands and went, "Oh, here we fuck." Yeah, he has a couple of bad moments, and he the goal for them wasn't that a great moment by him. Yeah, or, or he, he let his or guy Edlin, go, yeah. And all three guys. I think there yeah. was some – once Nikosi dinked that ball kind of out, you know, Edwin was leaving his guy underneath where he thought Edwin would be, and Edwin had jumped between the center backs. So, you know, miscommunication there, three kind of young – still, I don't know, you know, not a great moment. But, you know, Shallow is a good player, so – all right. That's now, one of, one of the side benefits of having Buzz Carrick as a good friend mm. is that when you're watching your live sporting event and there's something really wonky with the presentation in terms of uh, the, the brightness levels or the color, <laughs> the color mm. tint or the white balance, you can contact your friend and go, Buzz, what in the world is going on here? Because that was, you know, we've, we've all lauded the, uh, the crispness and sharpness and the beautiful uh, resolution of these productions on, of MLS on Apple TV. And there was something completely <laughs> effed up uh, yeah. in this particular game because the main camera was 20% darker and it had this weird green tint to it. Yeah, when somebody tweeted the images at me when I was in the stadium, I thought maybe it was because of the green sign and all that kind of other stuff. But when afterwards I looked at the game, and I'm fairly convinced that they lost the iris control on that camera. Uh, what the that, what? Yeah, so cameras. No, no, you, you, yeah. you, you, you muddled your word. They The what control? Iris control. And what is that? Well, that's people may not know this, but the um, – the controls for the video of a camera are in the truck. They're not on the camera. I mean, they could be on the camera, but they use a remote control to do it. There's literally a guy who sits there, the video guy, and his job is to paint, is the word we use, all the cameras. And that means the white balance, the color balance, and it means um, the amount of light coming in through the iris. On a camera, it'd be f-stop. It's the same thing on a film camera. So... I watched it and the colors, I know it kind of looked greenish, but the skin tones were still on. So I think they lost iris control, which means that camera was, as you say, like 20% darker than it should have been, which is why it kind of felt like it was greenish because it was out of whack in terms of the amount of light it had than the other cameras. And I'm pretty sure that I'm convinced that that's what was broken because they fixed it at halftime. And so the second half, it was fine. You know, it, when they would cut between cameras in the first half, the colors weren't different, just the brightness was different when, to my eye. And again, I wasn't in the truck, so I can't confirm it, but right. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. 
Um, it's a truck. I, I went by there uh, after the game in terms of just because I always walk past it. It was a different truck I'd never seen before at this particular venue. So I have no idea how good a truck it is. It could be, believe me, you can get a trucks that are absolute dog shit up to, you know, $10, $100 million. But MLS can't afford those fancy ones. And, and the way this package was put together late, and remember that it's March Madness. So mm. men's tournament, men's MIT, men's college insider, women's tournament, women's NIT. Baseball started in spring training. Hockey and basketball are still playing. I mean, literally, like, this is the busiest month of the whole year. March and April are. So it's not surprising that they had some truck. Maybe it's a janky truck. I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming that's all it was that they lost Irish control. I think you could tell, I could tell watching that game that the quality perhaps of some of the camera guys uh, was not what it normally is because those guys are probably all off work in the big tournaments too. So not a great day for FC Dallas quality on the broadcast. It's not FC Dallas's fault. It's MLS now. It's Apple TV. It's not them. So not a great uh, broadcast. Well, I did enjoy, uh, of that broadcast, I really enjoyed Heath Pierce, though. I thought he was fantastic, and I really liked the conversation about David and Jesus Ferrer. I thought that was really good. Third Degree, the podcast. Come for the technical and tactical analysis <laughs> yeah. of your favorite MLS team. Stay for uh, TV, game, live, truck production discussion. Yeah. But, I, uh, speaking about the uh, Heath Pierce, um, the, the play-by-play guy he was with, uh, clearly hadn't done his homework on on FC Dallas or or SKC, and he just kept trying to go back to the whole narrative of Dallas is a really hot market on a forty degree night. Yeah, that like, part wasn't so great. Four or five times he tried to restart that discussion, <laughs> and he poor Heath Pierce just said like, "Yeah, it gets gets pretty bad in the summer." I, I enjoyed yeah. the Heath Pierce. Uh, I got into throwing punches with David Ferrer in training every day. <laughs> That yeah. was fun discussion. I found I found the two of them to be very vanilla and hard to listen to. Um, uh, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm used to Mark. Um, they weren't my favorite duo. Yeah, or, good content, not great presentation. Is that? Yeah, a little flat. Uh, yeah, the public guy for me is okay and whatever. But Logan I, Dino. Know, yeah, he's what okay. you're trying to say is in a regular podcast, I sound slightly less monotonous. i did try to flip over and listen to i guess it was steve doing play-by-play and john arnold doing analysis but i i couldn't listen to it because i didn't the 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 lack of crowd noise was really distracting to me um and somebody said it was in there but i couldn't hear it so i don't know if maybe it's my you know my my setup or something i just i don't know it was weird Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I I didn't listen to it, and I don't know why it wouldn't have crowd noise other than technical issues. So I can't particularly comment other than I agree that would suck not having the crowd noise. Yeah, was it that it had no crowd noise, or it was just the crowd noise was too quiet? Uh, I didn't hear any crowd. It, it sounded like two guys sitting in a room doing a radio broadcast. Because um, like they I, do, they do definitely get a feed. What of noise of crowd yeah. noise? Yeah, they, just they'll didn't, get like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's just not mixed in there well enough, or maybe it just wasn't coming across to me, or something. I, or or maybe I happened to flip it on for a period of time where the crowd noise wasn't on, and I just gave up too quickly. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
I having not heard it, I couldn't tell you, but I would I, agree I, that would be awful. <laughs> I'm still marveling over the fact they figured out the technology to sync up those two things and make it work right. I mean, it's an yeah. it's. By the way, everybody should know this. Apple announced today. I think this is interesting in light of what's going on with MLS season pass. M Apple actually announced today that they are moving their two Friday night MLB games behind the Apple TV Plus paywall. So uh, all last season, if you wanted to watch baseball on Apple TV, it was free for anybody that wanted to watch it. Now you got to have an Apple TV Plus subscription to get it. But the other thing that they're adding to it is this local radio option that they've launched in MLS Season Pass, and they're adding it to the Major League Baseball thing. So, um, again, keep your eye on what's going on with MLS Season Pass because it's going to affect your other viewing of other sports uh, down the road and how you pay for it and all that stuff. Uh, all right, what else did I have in here I wanted to talk about? Let's talk about LAFC. That is coming up on Saturday. Um, I think it's what time is that game, Buzz? 9.30, isn't it? Oh, that's right. It's the late it's game. It's the late game, which MLS means game, we get a full day of MLS 360 before it. <laughs> Uh, I have notes. Um, and so anyway, uh, Buzz, what are you? So what are you anticipating? What are you feeling like you can discuss without giving up the ghost? Right uh, for Dallas. Well, the there's a couple. Uh, the the one battle I know you'd be interested in, Peter, is the Giovanni, uh, Jesus, and Imato Amasi. I'm still pretty convinced that Imato Amasi will continue to get that spot. I, it's again, it's the defensive cohesion. It's not there. You know, Giovanni is a young kid and younger than Ima and asking him to play on the back against pressing teams is a little bit problematic. He's still not great at that part, you know, in terms of team cohesion. So I think he'll continue to be a great late game threat. So I still think it'll hold on. Ima will hold on to that spot. Uh, Nicosi, I think is a lock. The question becomes, um, you know, what kind of offense does LA run? And they got a couple of pretty vertical athletic strikers that play their nine spot. So I think probably Ibiaga because especially because he played for them, so he'll know their tendency. So I'm gonna guess Ibiaga in there over Martinez, because I also think LAFC is a team that'll want to play with you. They won't try and block you. So that's that lends itself a little bit to not needing Martinez quite so much for the play out part. Um, and then the question is the real question is Paxton. So can Paxton go or not? You know that's a day to day decision. He did train today, so he is not technically hurt. It'll just be long-term precaution if they hold him out. If he plays, it's easy. 4-3-3, three, three, they'll want to play their native system. If he doesn't play, the options are you know, inverting that midfield perhaps and going 4-2-3-1 with you know, a Seeky deeper and Legette a little higher or just a straight swap in for Seeky. Both of those are versions of the 4-3-3. Three, three. So the question becomes whether you like Seeky or not starting in there. And I don't love that idea. You can go 3-4-3, three, three, which they've done. They did in training this week, and they've done before, which is Martinez, Ibiaga, and Nicosi, all three starting. And you and you have your four guys across midfield, you know, because um, you're missing Paxton anyway. So then you have an easy, there's an eight out, and you bring in a center back like they do in games sometimes. So you get Legette and Edwin next to each other in the middle, and you keep your wings up high. The key to that, of course, is that your wings have to play a little more narrow. They have to come inside some, which uh, – Velasco does inherently and instinctively. Paul can do it. He just has to adapt a little bit. It's fine. So that's a very viable option. Three four three. The four four two. There's multiple versions of it. Um, there's a version where uh, Jimenez starts. Of course, I think that's, I think that's not super likely, but it's possible. Um, with Jesus next to him up front, 
there's a version where Obreon is up there with Jesus because Obreon brings a vertical component. We haven't seen that lately, but it's we saw it last year from time to time because you could he'll make the other team sit back a little bit because of his pace. There's a version where Velasco comes in there, you get like a double false nine look. It's really weird, but th that is possible. Um, there's a version with Legette playing up top with Jesus too, because Legette is a guy who can play in the box and be effective in the box. It's also vaguely double nine like, but he'll play higher, more like Jesus and not quite as deep as Allen wants to run at people more. So there's a whole lot of versions of lineups they could run at LA. All of it is, I think, going to pivot on Paxson. Is Paxson healthy? Do you risk him or not? And we'll see. That's the key part. And and whether he looked 100% fine to me today. And Coach said it's just them being paranoid. And Paxson's part of that decision, apparently. You know, he kind of said, I need to come out last game. And they, they he still, Coach talked about mostly, when I talked to him today, about how Paxton feels. You know, if he feels good, then they'll he'll probably go. If he doesn't feel good, he probably won't. Uh, we probably were hoping that uh, we'd get lucky in Dallas uh, not having international call-ups because MLS is playing over the international break. Uh, the U.S. men's national team plays on Friday. And I was I assumed, I, I, before I looked, I thought, oh, LAFC's probably got several national team call-ups across their international roster of stars. No, they only have one national team call-up, and it's the Honduran defender, Danil uh, Malinato, that's, uh, that's gone. So... What? No, they've got uh, they've got a few. They do. Uh, Boanga, who's their leading scorer, Sifuentes, Maldonado, and Palacios. Oh well, then why is the maybe something changed? I looked this up, and they only had the. Yeah, you're right. Okay, the official MLS one says Boanga, Sifuentes, Maldonado, and Palacios. All right, we'll always go with the official MLSsoccer.com, not some third-rate. Yeah, blog. Blog. Yeah. Those my clowns. fault. My oh yeah. Why would Dallas you ever? has two, by the way. Say that? Dallas is missing two players, by the way. Well, okay. <laughs> Technically. Technically, Nolan Norris and Antonio Carrera are both gone. <laughs> okay. Now I don't feel so Dallas, stupid. I, <laughs> I mean, Dallas definitely benefits from the US deciding yeah. to do a yes. an all European roster this time. Yeah, we all assume Jesus would be gone. And yeah. Gone, you know, so that's that's nice. Well, yeah. based on how Boanga's been playing for them, it's probably maybe I now I'm gonna maybe we should just edit that out and let me start over, Buzz. You know, Buzz, <laughs> when we were looking at this on the calendar, we thought Dallas would benefit from not losing international calls, but uh, boy, howdy, LA is going to lose some guys. And they did. They lose Buwanga, their star player of late. <laughs> yeah. Like my save there? You, like yeah, you can just edit that other stuff out, Buzz, and <laughs> just start there. No, no, it's it staying up. in. Well, sure. mm, okay. Uh, all right. Well, very good. Hey, I wanted to throw this out. I, I, uh, I am aware of the fact that uh, North Texas is getting a professional cricket team which is taking over a bunch of investors have taken over the old baseball stadium in Grand Prairie, the the Air Hog Stadium or whatever that is. Oh, you know sorry, that's the Texas United Stadium, Peter. Well, well it, it was. used to be. It was. It used to be. That's right. what they took over. Yeah, and uh, they, they're redeveloping it, turning it into a cricket facility and training and everything. Have you guys seen the announcement of what this particular team is now going to be called? Have you, have you seen? Don't say it if you have. I, I saw it, yeah. 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 D uh, are you are you as equally enthusiastically impressed by this name as I am? No. I mean, it's Wait, you don't like Texas 
super kings? I I think that there's some sort of international superstardom amazingness to that name. It would be like if it was the Texas Manchester Cities. It's not something I know anything about at all because it to me it went, it went right over my head and I had no idea what it was. But I'm sure. Lots Is of it reference? I don't know what it references. Does it reference Just something? Chennai Super Kings in the in yeah. the Premier League. Some team has won eight titles since that league was founded. They're, it's basically like the. You know Manchester United or Man City of their league or whatever, and so I just thought it was a super. I thought it was a ridiculously over the top, you know, goofy name that I thought, okay, I could buy into Texas Super Kings. No. That sounds kind of kicking. They're ass. even sharing the, the same coach. Really, come yeah. over and coach. Yeah. The funny part is Super Kings is actually a brand of cigarettes in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> even better. It'll give them, but you don't call them cigarettes in the UK. Well, we do it's just there's a, a shortened phrase that uh, you know americans can be oh, funny okay. about yeah horrible about yeah okay uh anyway so you know what i think i think i will actually go to a texas super kings and are they called matches cricket match you can call it whatever you want okay I will go to a Texas Super Kings event. I gotta check that out. I'm I am I am intrigued by all of that. I will judge it based on how much drinking there is because that's what cricket's about. Maybe we should uh, do a third degree road trip and all mm. three of us go together. Maybe. Buzz doesn't seem too yeah, interested Buzz, in this. Buzz has a lot shorter journey from the opposite way from the pair of us, so that probably that's wouldn't true. work so well. Are you, I, I have I, look. I do not understand cricket at all, Buzz, uh, and I and I'm only interested now that I found out they're called the Texas Super Kings. <laughs> no, I so. understand it a little bit. I find it, it's it's more boring than baseball, which is already boring. So I'm not Whoa, necessarily. Yeah. yeah, that's where I'm at. <clears throat> what do you think about new baseball? New sped up baseball, Buzz? Uh, it's just as boring. I the thing. The, my feeling on sped up baseball is stop trying to change sports. Leave them like they are. People like baseball for a yeah. hundred years. Stop messing with it. Just like you don't mess with soccer. Yeah, we don't need substitutions. Yeah, it's stupid. Just stick eleven guys out there. Seven subs. It's stupid. Let's I, take away nine, the crossbar. Nine Just subs. put a piece of tape back. Open subs. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, subs on the fly. I'm in. I love it. Okay. Anything else, fellas? Yeah. That we. Oh, what? what? I got two things. Okay. Sorry. First is that it, this is on the scale of no one's going to care, but this, you know, this kid, Amet Corsa, who's the kid from Arlington or whatever. I don't care, Buzz. Yeah. He, he's made a lot of progress in the short time he's been here. I, I now actually think he's going to be a useful player that'll help this team. This is the, the kid that was playing yeah. over where in Croatia? Yeah. When, I, okay. the, when, he, when he first got here, it was complete panic on his face and in his play. <laughs> and he's now figured out that he's like, okay, no, I can do this. So he's okay now. So that's. That's great progress from a young guy that is, you know, it's a prospect player. He's not a, he wasn't signed to be a guy. He was signed to be a, you know, maybe he's a guy. Maybe he could help us in the long run. We'll see what happens. So progress from him is good. No one's going to care because he's not going to play, but that's good. And the other thing is that North Texas Soccer Club, the thing you should go be watching, not cricket, is starting up this weekend at LAFC. It is the first ever LAFC game. Funny enough, it's at Cal State Fullerton, which is hysterical. But, um, well, Does it good? Because it's not in LA. It's way out there in Fullerton. Oh, it's the LA Galaxy, so who's complaining? Right, it's LAFC's team. They're not in LA. It's is funny. it LAFC two? Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's ironically funny if you're aware at all of the whole bit between those two teams. Yeah. 
So North Texas SC is, I think, pretty good. There's a couple of good players there that have a chance to come to MLS. You know, they've got some signings that are chaotic and insane as usual. There'll be some academy kids that are going to be there. Um, Isaiah Parker went down and played with him and got hurt, so he's out like two or three weeks. Um, and then Nolan and Carrera are gone, so uh, you might see Stone maybe start in this game perhaps out in L.A. So Holy cow. Yeah. That'd be awesome. It would be cool. Oh, and one more thing. I, I teased on the um, oh, my podcast teaser today. There was an important FC Dallas player missing from training, and that was Martin Paz, who uh, was out just as a uh, workload day off. Uh, you know, a couple of big saves last weekend. You know, a little bit of body contact here and there. So just uh, no big deal that he was missing. It was just part for the course uh, as part of this coach's Nico Estevez's management of players. Hey, uh, is there any chance that uh, the Hunts are considering following the MLS trend of renaming their MLS next teams to FCD2. No. Let's have an FC Frisco just to really take the Drake away from everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. No, because um, they the league actually wanted everybody to do that, and, uh, and they already were like, no, we're not doing that. They specifically want a different name. A couple other teams changed them, and they, they chose not to. Um, I do have one other topic I want to talk about because somebody sent me a clip of Inter Miami's new training facility, their new training center. I don't know if you've seen it. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's just another example of a case where Dallas was ahead of the curve in terms of facilities yeah. 20 years ago, and now they are not. They are now <laughs> way behind in terms of training centers because the MLS teams are now building these things that look like what the EPL teams have. They're these probably multi-million dollar facilities that have this incredible equipment in them. And they're off sort of, most of them are on places where you have your, your fields are away from your stadium. So that's not the case for Dallas, but they're going to need, they're going to start to lose out in recruiting because they don't have this kind of facility to my knowledge. So I don't know whether they're going to have to, as part of Dan Hunt's bigger picture stadium thing, whether they got some of that in there, whether they need to do something on the North end of the complex perhaps, but um, go look for this inner Miami thing. It is absolutely nuts. Yeah, I've and seen Dallas that. Cannot compete. Yeah, right and and it is it is a byproduct of the fact that the Hunts uh, awarded us this very unique thing very very early, and and yeah. so many people who are fans of the team now weren't around to enjoy those days when we were the leading club in the league with the best facilities and the most state of the art crap. And now we're not, and or the club is not, and they, yeah, uh, you know, you know, don't they, forget, they they took over uh, a training facility for the academy that's like nearby, that's like an indoor kind of thing. But that's that's not what I'm talking about. This is a big oh a, no. There's, there yeah. are clubs in MLS that have spent more on their training facilities yeah. than Dallas did on the stadium. Yeah, these are big buildings that have ago. offices they have bigger locker rooms they have yeah. whirlpools and freezers and weight rooms and oh, i mean they're just they look like nba or nfl level stuff being done by these mls teams and if, if you're talking about free agent recruiting talking about international recruiting you're talking about the, the mind of money on players that this league is moving into i think this is now you know you're into the top 10 leagues in the world really you got to be able to compete with that stuff you got to be able to have this kind of facility and they don't so i'm a little surprised that they uh, managed to build it right next to the stadium i was going to say dallas is kind of in that rare air of having the the training yeah. facility and the stadium in the same place and not 20 miles apart 
Well, Inter-Miami's Inter is at that Fort Lauderdale Stadium, which theoretically, quote-unquote, is supposed to be where they're going to have their Team 2 play, and they're going to build this thing in Miami that's going to be for their Team 1. So it won't be long-term, they say. We'll see if that actually happens. Uh, we'll see when that happens. Yeah, but in the meantime, yeah. it's next to the Fort Lauderdale thing. It's one big complex where they're Inter-Miami 2 is going to play there long-term, theoretically. It's where uh, Miami Fusion used to play, sort of. They knocked it down and built a new one, but... Yeah. yeah, and by the way, this weekend I meant to I meant to mention this. Uh, the game for Dallas is being called by Keith Costigan and Maurice Adu. That's who we get for our play-by-play guys this weekend. I love Mo Adu, but this last game I listened to him and he talked way too fast, which is pot calling the kettle black because I do the same thing. Mo needs to slow his talking down. Again, it's not content; it's presentation, which is a big problem in. Uh, yeah, the presentation these days. matters. Listen, I'm in it TV does. production value matters content also matters content is king but delivery of the content does matter and mo talks too fast you you might be right that Heath pierce is a little flat i thought he was great but you know you lack a little more energy than i do you know i don't mind flat per se but yeah you and i talk about a lot about this buzz and maybe this is uh, us just being old guys but the the there clearly is a talent pool of young up-and-comers that know how to do video production uh and and do that part of it really well what what's really lacking the huge delta is people that can stand in front of a camera and present and talk on camera and and communicate their ideas and thoughts without sounding like a robot or talking too softly or, yeah. or, or too fast or whatever like you know a thousand miles an hour and that's really the biggest problem in my mind uh, I, I totally agree not just in soccer that goes across everything. yeah i totally agree and i suck at it and i'm still better than most of these people so you know you're better than you give yourself credit for well oh thank you but i you know i, I work in the business so i know what a really good uh, with like mark followell i know what really good air guys sound like you know i try and do imitate them and i probably do that's why i say i think i do better than some people that are young, you know, that need to work on it, but it takes, this takes time and confidence in a lot of ways, but um, it can be a big, big difference between making it in this business and not is your ability to present, you know, hey, you see I, guys I'm not, that get, yeah, I'm not slagging on anybody. It's hard to do and it's oh, not it easy to learn. And if you don't have anybody that knows how to do it, teaching you how to do it, it's it, it, then you're almost having to depend on a natural talent and not everybody has that. So, um, you know, yeah. The funny thing about that is that once or twice I've offered to people to talk to them a little bit and they don't, people don't really like to be helped. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Well, but. the ones that don't want to be helped are the ones that end up failing at it. Yes, uh, and I get, and I, tell you this from <laughs> from personal experience and yeah. yeah you know i it, it yeah. just is what it is man so yeah. um you know I, i'm always happy to help people out but i i stopped offering a long time ago because for that exact reason buzz yeah. people get their feelings all bent out of shape they do they do I, it, it's easier to do when you're producing or directing a game and then after the game some young talent might be interested in hearing some feedback that's different than it is when i know people like in the soccer world that are trying to do this kind of stuff and i say and i say to them Hey, you know, would you like a pointer or two? And they don't know my TV background. They haven't just seen me produce or direct a game, you know, and so they're a lot less inclined to take. I'm just some Yahoo with a podcast. They hear this and hear me here and they think, what does that guy know? You know, it's different. This is not what I do for a living talking. I do the other side, you know, and so I've seen a lot over the years and I try and, again, I I learned a long time ago, people don't necessarily want you to tell them what they're not doing well. So I, I rarely these days even offer anymore, but. And the few times I have, people don't necessarily take it too kindly, to be frank. 
Then what's the deal with the weekly air checks you send me after every podcast episode? <laughs> yeah. You do bad and terrible and all the me, ums and Me stuff. posting the podcast is not an air check. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. All Third Degree listeners get 20% off your order at Soccer90.com when you use the code Third Degree. FC Dallas, U.S. Men's National Team, international gear. Soccer90 has got plenty of variety. Jersey, scarves, tees, whatever you can want. Represent your club. Get that brand new North Texas Soccer Club jersey. That's a banger of a jersey. 20% off. Some exclusive supply, but that North Texas jersey is not one of those exclusions. Get the goods. Represent your team. Represent your club. All right. I think we've covered it and done it all today. Yeah, that's good. Uh, very good. Dan, you got anything else you want to talk about, my friend? Uh, no, I think we covered everything. All right. Very good. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, Dan, thank you, sir. Good to hear your cheery voice once again. Thank you. Happy to be back. Yeah. Tally-ho. All right. Uh, Buzz, thank you, sir. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you as always for hosting. My pleasure. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We will, again, I promise, talk to you next week in another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Now the poppy check. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree. The Green Air Podcast.